This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. One of the things that will drive or motivate a customer just to accept the price increase and move on is the relative size of the price increase. 3% is not that much. If you think about how many other things have gone up in price. So, for example, bacon, my favorite food group, is up like 30% this year in the grocery stores. It's bad. I maybe have to go on a bacon fast or mm-hmm. something because I can't afford it anymore. <laughs> so if you point out to somebody that your favorite food group has gone up 30%, but I'm only increasing your rates 3%, then it's a lot easier to sell that. Awesome. I am so excited. Susanna, we have... Who do we have? have, Who do we have? We have... It's like we have dad here with us today. We are very excited. We are so excited. He finally decided to come be on the show with us now that you're here. Jeb Blunt, the man, the guy who sponsored the show, who keeps us working and makes us smile. We're so excited that you're here, Jeb. So excited. I'm very happy to be here. Congratulations on uh, your uh, recent nuptials, Gina. Thank you. Thank you. Now there are are two men who pull the strings. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. And Susanna, very nice to see your bright, shining, smiling face. Last time I saw you, you were on my farm. I was on your farm. Hanging out. Kids were riding on my tractor. I was on your farm. I've even got an American accent from my trip. So I am uh, rocking the American. Not just American, Southern. (laughs) Southern, exactly. You've got to be region specific. You know, I'm a a pro-American wannabe. So, Susanna, should we we change the accents for this show? And I'll be (laughs) you and you'll be me. Oh, Gina. Do you know what? You do sound like you've, you've got some kind of illness when you when you use that English accent um but good try good try <laughs> she's so mean Jeb, are you, so mean <laughs> I'm so mean to you Jeb are you excited about Susanna being on this show now I am I think Susanna is a perfect host I think she's uh she's done an amazing job and she'll be coming to America uh to host uh with you along with you for the women your mother warned you about uh, at lunch at uh, at Outbound, so you'll be interviewing some of the, our our top women speakers and maybe a couple of men uh, sprinkled in as well from the main <laughs> stage each afternoon. It'll be a lot of fun, and um, I think it'll be uh, we'll spice it up a little bit with uh, with some uh, some a British accent. Absolutely. And- Fantastic. Maybe, maybe Jeb will do what he said last time. He said he was going to put on a dress and come join us on the show. Pretend to be a woman. That that could happen. You've already Maybe. got one blonde. I keep telling you this. Stick to this blonde. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Jeb will be busy. Jeb. Will, but hey, let's. Jeb's busy. We're busy. Let's get going with this episode. Oh, yes. And super excited to talk about selling the price increase. Your new book, 
I love it. I've been obviously training clients with it. I've learned, personally, I've learned a ton from it. So thank you for it. Um, let's talk a little bit about why now, why this book, why selling the price increase? Well, if you look around you, prices are going up. So the why now would be, this is probably the perfect time to release a book on selling price increases when so many sales professionals everywhere across the globe are being asked to approach their customers with price increase conversations. So just from a timing standpoint, the time is right. But let's be clear, sales professionals have been being asked to go talk to conversations, uh, talk to their customers about price increases and have conversations about price increases since the beginning of the industrial revolution. Every salesperson, whether it's at a contract renewal time or because something has changed or the, uh, you know, in a, in, with a manufacturer or the company needs to increase their profits. In a lot of cases, I got asked to go get price increases because we needed to make the quarter. So in order to get the, the, the drop through on the bottom line, we would have to go get a price increase. Whatever the case is, you're going to be asked to go get price increases as a sales professional. And price increases are a fantastic thing for your organization. They're great for the health of your organization because they drop through so much profit. About 400% more profit drops through on a price increase than when you go sell something new. And because of that, you're going to be asked to go get these price increases. And those price increases are going to contribute to the health of your organization as long as you don't lose your customer or your orders along mm -hmm. the way. So this book is not a book about uh, the inflation or our you know, current troubles with, with the supply chain and prices going out. This book is really a global, uh, I would say global universal book for salespeople when you start thinking about price increases as part of the sales process, the account management process, and the process of expanding the relationships with your customers. Yeah, love it, love it. I think one thing that Jeb, you actually said before we started um, this episode is that you write books because there's a genuine need opposed to waking up one day and thinking, hey, I'm gonna write another book because I feel like it. And I think we can all agree, especially as a sales manager, I used to get my team to do those price increases and it just wouldn't happen. They'd pretend that they'd done it or they would get stressed by it and just pretend it wasn't going to happen. Why do you think people get so stressed by asking for a price increase? Well, if, if you're a sales professional and I'm a sales professional, I, I'll just think about the very first time I was asked to go get a price increase. It was like 1994 and a long time ago, but my manager walked in and he had a list of all of our accounts. So all the salespeople were sitting around a table in a conference room. And he says, here are all your accounts. We need a 6% net price increase across all your accounts. And you need to go out and get it. I need to know by the end of the week where it's going to come from. So we were sent home to go through our accounts and go to each account and figure out how much we could increase their prices. In some cases, it was on which line item we would increase the prices, but we had to figure out how to go do that and then come back and say, this is my current revenue. And this is the 6% increase across all my accounts. And when I got the, that list and sat in that meeting, I, I just remember being shocked. I remember being dismayed. I remember being, um, you know, that feeling where you've got like this knot in the bottom of your stomach. It was just the one thing in the world that I didn't want to go do is go have conversations with my customers about price increases. I didn't want to do it because it felt like conflict. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to get rejected. I didn't want to do it because it was uncomfortable to go tell someone they were going to price increase. I didn't want to do it because nobody wants a price increase. Customers don't want to buy them and I didn't want to sell them. And I didn't want to do it because it felt to me like I was doing something to my customer, right? Rather than something for my company. It just didn't feel right. 
So I whined and complained and went back to my manager. I said, there is no way possible that I can get this price increase. I don't have enough. I mean, I might be able to get a little bit. And, you know, his response was leadership says we're getting 6% net. You need to go figure it out. There's no choice. So I almost quit my job over it because it just felt so wrong. Like I didn't, I didn't want to do it, but I like my job. So I, I, I got into the trenches and figured it out, made some mistakes. One of those mistakes was I procrastinated for a really long time. And then by the time I showed up on the, the doorstep of my customers getting this price increase, they were, they were implementing the price increase. So it was late for my customers. So there was more conflict. I caused myself more problems because of, of the procrastination, the way I approached it than I should have. But I realized that, you know, the price increase wasn't going to go away and I had to get better at this because that was just the first of many situations where I had to get a price increase, whether it was with a single customer on a, a contract renewal or, you know, and they were buying something new and I had to raise their prices on, you know, on their new purchase from broad-based price increases where the company said everybody's going to get a price increase. And, and so I had to find a, a better way of doing that because I hated it. And if you, you know, think about why do salespeople don't do it, like salespeople hate a lot of things. They hate CRMs. They hate doing paperwork. <laughs> they, uh, they, Gina, they hate, uh, they hate building proposals. They hate cold calling. They really hate cold calling <laughs> and they hate price increases and the hatred for price increases and in the pantheon of, of things that salespeople hates sits right at the very top. So salespeople absolutely despise them. I despise them. And I, there was a better way of doing them. So I, I built a system over time that I taught people, here's how you do a, get a pricing increase. Here's how you approach it. Here's how you plan for it. Here's how you build the messaging for it. Here's what you do. And just in this particular moment in time, so many salespeople were coming to me personally. They were coming to us in our training programs and they were saying, I would like, I would ask them, what's your, what's the biggest challenge you're facing? And I'm in a prospecting course, right? And they're going price increases. I'm trying to teach you prospecting and we're talking about price increases. You realize that you've got a problem and people need a system for selling a price increase without losing their customer. So I built the book around that. But the fact is, is that I experienced it myself. And, you know, today, if you said, Suzanne, if you said you got to go get a price increase from one of your customers, I would still feel the same sort of gut wrenching trepidation for having the conversation because. I really don't like conflict. Mm -hmm. I'm good at discounting. I'm good at selling. I'm good at closing, but getting a price increase, not so much. Nobody likes conflict. It's not fun. You know, in, in um, teaching the course, something that came up a lot, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it, uh, the complaint of they don't want to ask for the increase because they're going to lose the customer to the competition. And this was like, this came up over and over again. What would you say to those sellers? Well, that is the biggest fear that salespeople have. Like they, they're, they're afraid they're going to lose their customer. Uh, one of the other fears, I'm going to lose my orders. Another fear, I'm going to, I'm going to face conflict. Another fear is that my customer is going to throw quality issues or service issues in my face. Another fear is that I'm going to lose the relationship, right? So, but the biggest fear is I'm going to lose the customer. And that's what salespeople feel like. You know, if you're an account manager and you've got this book of customers, if I go to you, Gina, and say, you're going to price increase, you're afraid the customer is going to say, well, I've got other options and they might, by the way, they mm -hmm. might have other options. So what I say to salespeople is that, that the initial fear you feel is mostly in your own head. Like mm -hmm. you're making that up and you're making it up because it's natural for you to avoid conflict and avoid rejection. I mean, if you lose your customer because you brought them a price increase, they're essentially rejecting you. And there are two things that salespeople fear more than anything in the world. One is death. 
and one is rejection. And I'd argue that not just salespeople, but everybody fears rejection more than they fear death. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're, you're making that, you're worrying about that, that, that eventuality. The good news is that it's a very, very low probability your customer is going to leave you because it's really hard to leave you. If, you're, if you've done a good job for them, if you're taking care of them and you're providing them with great service and your product is integrated into their system, in order to leave you, they have to go find another vendor. They have to integrate that vendor. They have to unwind their relationship with you. They have to deal with all the other people in their company. They've got to bring purchasing in. They've got to sign contracts. They've got to do all of these things. And those things are really hard. So there's a big price that the customer has to pay in order to leave you because there's a price increase. Mm -hmm. So the good news is that what you have in your favor is something called status quo or the status quo bias. And that is that the customer is much more likely to stay where they are, even in the face of a price increase, because it's too difficult for them to unwind those things. Now, if you haven't earned the price increase, if you're not taking care of your accounts, if you're ignoring them, uh, if you're taking them for granted, if you're delivering really, really crappy service, then the customer can weigh the cost of continuing to do with you and dealing with people who don't pay attention to them and, to, and provide bad service against an alternative. That might improve the probability that they move to the alternative. But if you're doing a great job for them and they like your product, they're probably not going to go mm. unless you do stupid things, right? Like procrastinate to the last minute or you don't come in with the right messaging and you don't have a good explanation. So what I would say to salespeople is most of the fear is in your head Mm -hmm. because just of the the way that human beings work, your customer is, is may not be happy, but they're, they're probably not going to leave you. On the other hand, there is a chance you could lose your customer if you make mistakes along the way, like ignoring them, like not taking care of them or Maybe if, if, if it's a new customer to you, like you just got handed this customer and the first conversation you have with them is about a price increase, they might leave you for that. Mm. Uh, and if you're in a market where there are lots of alternatives, so the customer can go to a lots of different places, they might leave you. But the chances are that if you're in a situation where you have a massive number of competitors and it's really, really easy for them to change, the chances are that you are not in a situation where it's cheaper someone else. Mm-hmm. Likely all your competitors are raising their prices at the same time. And if they're not, and you're an outlier on pricing, you're going to lose customers anyway, because they're going to say, it's really easy for me to go over here and everything is exactly the same. So the economics don't really support that argument in a situation where a company, especially companies you work with, Gina, and, and you know, in selling in our trainings, those companies understand what their marketplace looks like. So in most cases, the fear that the salesperson has is mm-hmm. a fear that they're making up in their head. The thing I took away the most that was like this great aha for me that I now continue to use in training specifically is the status quo bias and the fact that this now becomes a really good tool, right? When we're we're dealing with status quo, when we're dealing with objections, that's the challenge to get them out of it. Now I'm like, you could really leverage that so well. That was my biggest aha mm. moment. So I'm jealous now because I haven't I haven't read the book yet mainly because I keep going on Amazon and it's not out. So I've, I've been lucky enough to see on Sales Gravy at university some of the, um, the pre sort of training before the book comes out. But one thing that did stand out to me was you spoke a bit about visualization when um, before doing a price increase. Can you explain a bit more about that for our listeners, what, what that's all about, the visualization element? Well, yeah, I mean, the, th- the problem is, is like, you know, if you're a, if you're a salesperson, you visualize yourself walking in and getting your head handed to you, right? So you actually start making up something that hasn't happened and that can actually create worry 
which can kick off the fight or flight response, which can make it very difficult for you to maintain your composure when you are presenting a price increase. And the one thing that we have to recognize about selling a price increase is that emotions are contagious. So mm-hmm. if you're walking in as a salesperson and you visualize yourself failing and you're standing in front of your customer from a place of insecurity and you come off as weak and passive and you're stumbling over your words and you don't even believe your own message, then, then you've got a problem because the customer is not going to believe you and they're going to run over you because you're going to look weak and passive and insecure mm-hmm. and they're going to make the decision to just walk all over you. So if we start thinking about visualization, if you're thinking about walking in to have a conversation about a price increase, you probably need to sell the price increase to yourself before you go sell it to your customer. So you've got to buy into the reasons why there's a price increase because the, the, the most powerful and really the best place for you to come from is a, a, an emotional foundation called relaxed assertive confidence. Mm. So when you're walking in, presenting the price increase or a customer calls you up and you're defending the price increase, you're completely confident about it. You know your messaging, you know why you're saying it, you understand it, and, uh, and you're projecting that confidence to your customer. And we've all been there. I mean, we've all been in a situation where we were facing a price increase and, or even closing a deal, right? And are someone closing us and we start arguing about the price and the person we're, we're dealing with is completely confident in their pricing. And we go, okay. I mean, that's what we do is what we say. And we know the status quo is a barrier to leaving because it, it takes time and effort to leave. So if you're confident about it, they're much more likely to buy it. And, and if you add that to really good messaging around the price increase, it improves the probability even higher that they're going to buy the price increase without deciding to leave you. And I'm not saying they're going to be happy about it. There's nothing in selling the price increase that says you're going to have a kumbaya moment with your customer <laughs> because you're not. Nobody wants a price increase. To customers, mm-hmm. it feels like you're taking something away from them. It's, it feels like in some cases, like you're doing something to them, especially if they're getting the same thing as they were getting before at a higher price. So it can feel that way to the customer. Mm. But what we're saying is that to get the customer to buy in, you want to make sure that you're not telling yourself that they're not going to buy in before you walk through the door. And that when you walk through the door, you're so confident that you transfer that emotion to the buyer and they say, okay, well, I'm not really happy about this, but I see your point, right? That's what you really want the outcome to be. Mm. And, and if we, if we can, if we can focus on and help the salesperson focus on a process or a framework for having those conversations, just like anything else in sales, whether it's making an outbound telephone prospecting call or whether it's doing a discovery call or whether it's getting past a red herring objection or setting the agenda at the beginning of a first-time appointment or doing a presentation or closing a deal, when you have a set of rails to run on or a framework to work with, you're going to be a lot more confident delivering that message. And when you're more confident, then the probability that your customer buys into the price increase without leaving you or you're going to a competitor uh, goes up exponentially. And when you look at the, the, you talked about messaging and in the book, you cover this, you cover the different narratives, the eight different narratives that you can use. Could you share with our listeners maybe one of those just to kind of give them a taste of what they can find yeah, in the book? I'll give you a couple of them. I mean, one, one is an economic fairness narrative. So in a lot of cases, especially in today's marketplace, your prices have gone up from your vendors or it's costing you more for labor. And this is happening to a lot of businesses right now. So my labor costs have increased by 30% or your raw material costs have in- increased or everything that you're paying for has gone up, your rent's gone up, whatever the case may be. So in an economic fairness narrative, what you have to do is say to the customer, here's why I have to raise my prices because 
I'm getting hammered by my, my own vendors. My prices are going up and in order to stay in business, I need to, and, and, and maintain the health of my company, I need to raise my prices. And because human beings are very sensitive to fairness, if you can explain it in a way that shows your customer the situation you're in, they're much more likely to buy into that. You know, in my world, like sometimes I have to have conversations with my customers where I've been working with them for a long time and I've delivered, say, training at a lower rate than I currently charge now. And I'm in a situation where I'm trading out hours where I could sell those hours of training for double what I'm, what I'm delivering for this customer. I've sat down with them and said, let me show you what my rates are right now and how I'm getting paid and the demand that I have. And I really want to keep working with you. Um, but if I don't raise my rates, it's really costing me a lot of money in order to serve you. And you're really important to me. And I've mm -hmm. never had anybody say, if I prove it and show them they say, no, I wouldn't want to pay that. They go, I totally get where you're coming from because people get fairness. So, mm -hmm. so economic fairness is, is a, it's one of the tougher messages because the person is going to be paying more for the same thing. That's versus a, say a future value narrative. So a future mm -hmm. value narrative is where I say to you, um, we're going to be raising your rates on this particular item or this particular service because we're adding additional features that are going to help you in this particular situation. So are we're doing these things or we're improving the quality, but we're doing something that is going to give you more value for the price that you're paying. So you're going to be paying more, but you're also going to be getting more. Mm. And so, so if you think about most price increases that you get as a regular in regular times, it's a little bit more wacky right now because of inflation and, you know, and supply chain and all these other things. But in most cases, when you get price increases from vendors, they almost always lead with the future value narrative. Mm. We're going to be doing this for you. Therefore, we're getting this. So I got a price increase on a satellite service that I get, but we're adding more satellites. And because we're adding more satellites, that, that means that you're going to have less out outages and therefore our prices are going to go up. And you go, okay, well, that's bad. That's good. I don't want, I don't want more outages. So I'm willing to pay more for the price increase. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. And, and along with that, that, that story you told about sitting down with some of your customers, you could also weave in a past narrative, right? Because yes. it's what, what you have done for them. What have you done for them lately and bring them through that journey? Right. Well, and that's also helping to anchor the status quo bias. I've done all of these things for you or you've, you've achieved these particular goals. And if I were to go away, then it might be difficult to continue to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, you definitely have, you're able to, to talk about past value. We've done all these things. That's, that's basically called the, I deserve this price increase because yeah. I've done these things for you and I've jumped through hoops. So, so, but any of those narratives work and sometimes you've got to weave them all together, especially with a complex account where there may be more alternatives to doing business with you. You weave those narratives together in a story or a way that helps them understand why you need the price increase. Mm -hmm. So it could be super simple. I'm raising the price on this uh, and the prices are going to go up on this date and this is why. Or it could be, let's sit down and let's go through a whole process. Let me show you what we've done for you. Let me walk through the milestones that we've accomplished and, uh, and also talk a little bit about what's happening in my world in terms of my prices going up and this is why I need a price increase and this is when we'd like to implement it. So we're educating them, essentially. Yes. Um, I am speaking to people every day, and we have quite a lot of listeners who are sales managers, and a lot of people are having to do price increases mid-contract, which is scary, right? 
And not every sales manager who's listening to this is lucky enough to have Jeb Blount as their boss. So what advice would you give? What main, if you had to give one piece of advice to our listeners who are managing teams about how to get their team engaged in selling the price increase, what would that be? Well, go back to what your salespeople don't want to do. Your salespeople do not want to go sell the price increase. So you're going to need to sell it to them before they're going to go sell it to their customers. Mm -hmm. So one thing is to make sure that you have got your math ready. You can justify this. You can explain to the salespeople why the price increase is going into place, especially, you know, mid-contract. Now, the good news about mid-contract is that you have a contract. So there is there your customer is essentially locked in so mm-hmm. you're going to your customer most of the time with an economic fairness argument and then you're asking them to let you increase the price because the customer also has a contract now unless mm-hmm. your contract says that you can increase their pricing in the middle of the contract then the customer didn't really have any place to go now i've worked a lot of times in contracts where you had the ability to increase the rates so up to a certain point and then you had to ask them for permission to increase the rates beyond that point Mm-hmm. That's when you're going in and making the case, typically economic fa- uh, economic fairness. But as a sales manager, you've got to make sure that you can completely explain this to your salespeople. Because I can tell you as a salesperson, the ones that didn't work for me as a sales manager came in, dropped it on my desk and said, get a 6%, or, or, excuse me, management says, get a 6% net. And then you're sitting there going, why? I feel like I'm doing this to my customer. So you, you have to clearly explain it. The other thing you want to make sure you're doing as a manager is make sure that you work with your team on messaging. Mm -hmm. So if you pick up selling the price increase inside selling the price increase, you'll find the eight narratives. You're going to find the three reasons why customers are most likely to accept the price increase and how you can use those three reasons inside those narratives. And you'll find uh, a, a framework for a price increase because statement for your smaller accounts and price increase business cases for your bigger accounts. As a leader, you owe it to your team to make sure that when they're standing in front of the customer, that they have the ability to effectively articulate why the price increase is necessary, and then a framework for asking for or presenting that price increase assumptively. And then we also provide you with frameworks for dealing with objections. Mm-hmm. So, and, and these are these are very specific frameworks for dealing with price increase specific objections that that are different than the type of objections that you get, say, if you're trying to sell something or trying to get an appointment. So, as a leader, you need to make sure that your team is completely prepared for those eventualities. And then at the same time, you need to set targets and goals. You need to make sure that you're following up regularly. You need to make sure that your salespeople are out there in front of your customers and they're not procrastinating. And, and Susanna, you know, in your past, making sure that they, uh, that they don't come in and tell you that they had the conversation and they actually didn't have the conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, I've got a, um, a follow-up question on that because you mentioned when the contract says you can increase, and this has actually come up from a customer. They've got a contract that says they can increase 3% every year for seven years, but then they never do the increase. And then all of a sudden they need the increase. And now they're going back and asking for the increase and they're getting the resistance and the customer is angry. What advice do you have around that? Well, first of all, go get the increase. If your contract says that you can get the increase, you should get the increase. Now, now, well, yeah, but there's resistance because they never were increased. Well, the tip, typically, the issue is that uh, on those contracts, those contracts that have a three percent increase are tied to CPI. So, Mm -hmm. over the past, 
you know, say five years, we really haven't seen a lot of inflation. So and, and to some extent, we've had zero inflation. So they never cross the CPI threshold. So okay. it just didn't make sense to increase the pricing. And then suddenly in the last 18 months, you're starting to see massive CPI increases. So now, now those triggers are being hit and they're going to the customer saying, we're increasing your prices. And, and the truth is in those contracts, they could just increase the price and just put the, um, the increase on the invoice. So essentially you've moved from presenting a price increase to defending a price increase. Mm -hmm. Now it sounds like these businesses that you're working with are smart enough to get that that's probably not the best course to take if you want to maintain good customer relationships. So in those cases, it's a mandatory price increase that's non-negotiable and they're asking the salesperson to take it to the customer and then defend it. So what your salespeople are saying essentially is I'm walking in, they're getting mad at me and I don't like that. Doesn't feel really good mm -hmm. but because the contract says you can you can deliver the price increase. You can deliver the price increase. So it's not an issue whether the customer has a choice. It's just an issue whether the, 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 the salesperson has a choice to go in and have this conversation and do it the right way. So what I would say in those situations is, mm -hmm. uh, is if you've got a contract and it allows you to do the increases and you haven't been doing the increases, then tell the customer why. The reason we didn't do your increases in the past is because we valued the business and inflation was under control. And we just didn't think it was fair to pass on a price increase to you that didn't make any sense. Back to economic fairness. Mm -hmm. However, our labor costs have gone up 20% in the last 12 months. Our cost of materials have gone up this much. Our cost of doing this has gone up this much. Our fuel costs to deliver to you have gone up 100% since July. Currently, federal CPI is at 8%. I think it's somewhere in that neighborhood. People, if you've got Social Security, you're getting a pretty big increase. And Social Security is something we have over here uh, in the United States, Susanna. It's not like in you know the socialist country that you live in. Um, so, oh, so. Um, <laughs> I will not get so, into an um, argument, but so we, we pay maybe into it time. and we're supposed to get something back. So a lot of people who have Social Security are getting a really big increase. That's typically tied to the consumer, you know, price index or whatever the case may be, or it may be, and somebody's going to send in some note and correct me on that, but there's a index that, that it tracks to. And when the index goes up, then there's an automatic increase in your social security payments so that you can keep up with inflation. So you can point that out. If you said the, you know, the federal CPI rate right now is say seven and a half percent, we're only increasing your rates by 3%. Because we've had these increases, mm -hmm. by the way, that are really, really big. And so we need to do this. Now, the truth is, is that one of the things that will drive or motivate a customer just to accept the price increase and move on is the size of the price increase, the relative size of the price increase. 3% is not that much. If you think about how many other things have gone up in price. So, for example, bacon, my favorite food group, is up like 30% this year. And in the grocery stores, it's bad. I mean, I'm, I maybe have to go on a uh, like a bacon fast or mm -hmm. something because I can't afford it anymore. So, <laughs> so if you point out to somebody that your favorite food group has gone up thirty percent, but I'm only increasing your rates three percent, then it's a lot easier to sell that. Does that make sense? So, because it could be it's three percent. I'm get, I'm taking the three percent and I'm asking for another twenty, and that happens sometimes. 
Yeah, it's educating. It's explaining. And we have, it's like we say in recruitment as consultants, you have to consult, you have to educate. And it's exactly the same for anyone in sales. You know, you know your product better than anyone else. You know what the market's doing better than anyone else. So um, you're, you're going in there to educate them. I, I love that. It all comes back down to messaging. It really is. Well, it's messaging and confidence, right? So it's messaging. Yeah. What are you saying in confidence? Mm-hmm. But go yeah. back to yes. Susanna's question about leaders. If you're a leader and you just tell your salespeople, hey, we're going a 3% price increase on our contracts because we can. So this year, every contract that when, when, their, when their annual renewal date comes up or their annual date comes up, then we're going to increase the prices. You need to go talk to them, but you don't explain why, or you don't give your salespeople the the facts behind mm-hmm. it, or you don't work through. Okay, well, what if this? What if the customer says this? Then what's going to happen? Your your salespeople are going to talk themselves into. There's going to be an argument here. I really like arguments. They're going to walk in and they're going to be insecure, which is going to create a bigger argument. And and then they're going to come back to you and say, "I don't like doing this. This isn't any good. Our customers won't pay it." They, they say that they're going to call their lawyer and they're going to quit the contract. That's what you're going to get versus yeah. a 3% price increase in a world where everything is going up and you know sometimes triple digits. That's not that big of a deal. Well, you talk about that in the book as well. You talk about priming and priming them for the price increase. Could you talk well, a little yeah, bit I mean, about priming, that? All priming is, is inserting an idea in someone else's head through suggestion. So the biggest problem that salespeople, the biggest mistake salespeople make is that they procrastinate on having the conversations with their customers. Why do they procrastinate? They don't want to have the conversation because the conversation is painful because there is the potential for conflict Mm -hmm. and the customer is likely going to be unhappy. So customers don't typically celebrate when you give them a price increase. So the salesperson puts it off to the last minute. Then they show up and they say, oh, by the way, your annual renewal on your contract is coming up and we're raising your price 3%. And the customer says, I'm not paying that. That's not fair. Priming says, I'm going to get way ahead of the game. I know that there's a price increase imminent. So if I'm in, you know, Gina, with your client, I'm going to say, pull me a list of every single contract whose annual, you know, the, the annual renewal date, the annual date when we can, we can put a price increase is going to be happening in the next 90 days. We're going to start talking about it to them about it now. I have one of my vendors do that. My, I've got a contract coming up in November, and the vendor talked to me in May about a price increase. We're probably going to have to pra- raise your prices this year. I said, you're mm. probably not going to raise my prices. And, uh, and he said, yeah, <laughs> we're probably going to have to raise your prices, but maybe we can talk about how we can make this work. And you know, I went home and thought about it a little bit, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe so. And then bacon went up, and I'm like, he got a point. So- So what you can do with priming is to set the stage. So you start talking about it. Maybe you talk about in in a passing conversation, you know, did you know that blah, 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 just raised their prices this much? Or, oh my goodness gracious, I, you know, I filled my car up on the way here. It cost me twice what it cost me before the pandemic, you know, or this happened or that happened. So you just Mm -hmm. start talking about it and you give people time to step into it and become accustomed to it so that when it happens, it's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. Business people just don't like surprises. So mm. at least the vendor that is yeah, probably going to raise yeah. my prices, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting accustomed to it. I'm thinking about it. Now I am thinking about what can I cut out or what can I remove or are there services from this vendor that I'm using right now that I probably could get rid of? And they're going to have to, that's going to be something that they're going to have to weigh as well. They're going to have to think about if, uh, if Jeb gets rid of this and they raise my prices, 
then if it all nets out, then it all nets out. I don't know how this all going to shake out, but I can tell you that I'm not as opposed to it today as I was a month ago. Mm. I love what you say about that, having that relaxed, assertive confidence, because I, I certainly have been in sales for a long time and I've never had any form of training on selling the price increase. And I wonder how many people all over the world are not, not losing deals, but destroying relationships because they've been so afraid and they've come in and that relationship's kind of been thwarted by that conversation. What kind of advice would you give people who are maybe unconfident in sales to become more confident in just any kind of conversation? <laughs> well, Gina does have a course, What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say, which I think is br a brilliant course. And you can pick that <laughs> up on Sales Gravy University. I think Gina teaches it, um, you know, every other month, a live course. So you can learn some of the skills that people use in difficult conversations. I think also understanding that it's a process and a framework. So, uh, so if, for example, in selling the price increase, we give you a framework for delivering the message. So a because statement framework. So learn the frameworks, learn the system so that you're not making it up as you go. So if you're a person who has a difficult time with those types of conversations, usually because you're, you're highly empathetic, right? So you're stepping in your customer's shoes and you're looking at it through mm -hmm. their eyes and saying, I wouldn't want a price increase. So it makes you feel bad for them. So if you have a system and process to use, then you're going to be much more likely to follow that system and deliver the message in a way that's going to connect with them. You, you've You've got to do that. The other thing I would say to you mm. is, is do not procrastinate. Just don't do it because uh, an example of a vendor that lost my, my business is a vendor who brought me a price increase, but the, the account manager I'd never met before ever, never, ever talked to them. They never called me. They never talked to me. They never sent me an email. They were my account manager, but I didn't have a relationship with them. And the very first conversation that they had with me was about a price increase. She was nervous about it because she, I think, internally knew that it was the wrong thing to do. And so instead of coming across as insecure, she came across as unemotional and matter of fact. And, you know, almost like, uh, like just mm -hmm. brushed the whole thing off. You're going to pay the price increases where it's going to start. And it made me mad. But mm -hmm. it made me mad more than anything is that I don't know you. Like, this is the very first conversation you're going to have with me. That was a wrong thing to do, but she just put off having any conversation. Make sense? So don't put it off. Go have the conversation. If you're, if you're having a conversation really early, then it's going to be a whole lot easier to give them time, give them space, give yourself time and space to work through it or even to collaborate on how they can pay the price increase and you know maybe rearrange their account or pass it on their own customers. Don't do that. The reason that you want to read a book like Selling the Price Increase is A, to get the messaging and B, to get the frameworks. And mm -hmm. so that as you get the framework and the messaging together, you know exactly what to do. And then if there is conflict, if there is rejection mm -hmm. or objections, we're going to teach you exactly how to handle that. But if you lack that confidence, the only way to build that confidence is to practice it and to have some systems and frameworks that allow you to project confidence even when you don't feel confident. And and our listeners could actually pick up on some of this, not just from the book, but from some of the courses at Sales Gravy University, because we've spun this off into workshops. And I know working with some of our clients that 
they love that opportunity to be in a breakout session and to actually practice this. And um, while it could be uncomfortable at first, I've seen them get a lot of value out of doing that. I've got I've got one more question, and then um, Susanna's got her fun wrap it up question, and then we want to talk about where people can get the book. But I do have one more question um, because this. You, you talked about right that first conversation, like the, the worst thing you could do is have that first conversation be about price increase and you don't have a relationship. This this does come up too sometimes. I've had this question asked of me. Um, a price increase has passed. Um, marketing and sales did not have a conversation. Marketing has sent out a mass alert that you're getting an increase. New salesperson's taking over that account. They got a call. And they didn't even know that the customer had been alerted and they're truly defending the price increase. But any advice around that when the customer got the alert yeah, don't before do that. the seller? <laughs> I mean, if you're a company, don't do that. <laughs> right, so, right. But if you're, the, if, yeah. you're, if you're the salesperson and the customer calls you up and says, hey, I just got this price increase notice on my invoice. What are you going to do about this? If I'm the salesperson, I'm all I'm going to do is use a quick ledge. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say, I can totally understand how you might feel if you got the notice and you didn't know it was coming. Would you mind if I go do a little bit of research and I will call you back? That's all you can do. Because if you try to address it right there on the spot and you don't have any information, you're going to stumble over your words. You're going to come off as defensive. You're going to come off as insecure. And that is going to fuel the flame. But if you just say, I can understand why you're upset because I might be upset too if I got this as a surprise. Let me go back and research this and find out exactly what happened. I will call you back. That's the best thing that you can do in that particular moment. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great advice. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. How we are all, hopefully most of us, empathetic people in sales. And that all goes out the window when we get scared. It's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely mad. Are you ready for my question? Well, first, before we get to the question, I'll just keep him like wondering, because I'm wondering, because I never know what the question is either, Jeb. So it's always a surprise to me. Uh, (laughs) When does the book come out? When can people, people can pre-order it. Now tell us more about the book, Selling the Price Increase. Yes, it's, you can go right now to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, and you can order it. Um, As we go through into the summer, it'll be available in more countries. Typically, my books will be available uh, worldwide. Uh, but, uh, but right now, at least in the United States, because we're based here in the United States, the book is, uh, is ready. But, you know, as we're making this particular podcast, it'll start shipping next week. So, uh, so, so the best thing you can do is go pick up the book. Uh, if you've got a sales team, I suggest getting it for the entire sales team. And on Sales Gravy University or at Sales Gravy, we can do a course for your sales team, or you can come into one of our public courses called Selling the Price Increase or various workshops that are spinoffs from our masterclass on selling the price increase. And uh, or in, and this would be a good idea for sales leaders is use the the book as a weekly part of your sales meeting. So each 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 meeting, you take a couple of chapters, you read them, and have your salespeople report back on on you know on what they learned in the book. But I can tell you this: this is the most comprehensive book that's ever been written on B two B price increases. Period. And, and in fact, mm-hmm. it's as far as I can tell, the only book that's ever been written on how to sell B2B sell, uh, price increases. And you'll find that it's a, a comprehensive 
study and work on uh, on this uh, the subject that will help make your your salespeople better across the entire account expansion and account management uh, processes, no matter whether it's a price increase or providing a better customer experience. Awesome. And and if our listeners want any other information about courses, um, either at Sales Gravy University or through us privately, you can reach out to Susanna or I, or both of us. We'll fight over you. Um, do you have any last words, Jeb, um, about Outbound? Because let's not forget about Outbound coming up. Yeah, make sure you go get your tickets at outboundconference.com, outboundconference.com. We've got I feel like I'm doing a commercial now, but I am. We have uh, over 30 speakers, including Gina and Susanna, going to be there. Uh, and this year, our uh, our you know our special featured guest is John Gordon. And if you ever read John Gordon's book, like Energy Bus, you're going to love John Gordon. I can't believe that we've got him. He's going to be taking the main awesome. stage. Yeah, and the awesome. and the beautiful thing is that we have both in person tickets, and we have a variety of those. So you can come in person, and there's three different levels that you can purchase. And we have a virtual all-access pass. You get the entire conference broadcast quality virtual experience where you Mm -hmm. get all the sessions, everything, A to Z, uh, and you can watch it on your TV at home or you can watch it on your computer or you can watch it on your phone, uh, but you can get everything live. Plus, they're all recorded. So if you miss one, you'll be able to watch it later. Fantastic. We're excited to see everybody there. And now, Susanna, drumroll, please. What is this week's Would You Rather question? Well, because we've got Jeb Blount here today, I wanted to make it a bit harder because we have a a genius, a sales genius. So Jeb, these Would You Rather questions, you have to choose which one you'd rather do. That's the kind of idea of it. So Jeb, would you rather be punished for a crime that you did not commit or somebody else take credit for your biggest accomplishment? I would rather someone take credit for my biggest accomplishment than to get punished for a crime I didn't commit, for sure. (laughs) Okay, okay, cool. But imagine if that was a huge accomplishment, something, you know, I mean, you've already got loads of accomplishments that you've, you've made. Imagine if it was like, loads of them and they were just constantly in your ear saying jeb look at my new book look at my new book and you're like i wrote that book oh you still have the same answer oh, that's a good way of goading him S- still <laughs> the same answer i would I, I'd, I'd be happy to uh to retire to my garden and my horses and ride around my tractor and let someone take all the credit than to be in prison or be punished for something that i didn't do Fair answer. Gina, yours is the same. Oh, I do not do well with reprimands, as Jeff knows. Punishment, no, no. And I have a collaborative approach. I don't need to take the credit. I want everybody to win. And if I'm behind the scenes, that's cool. But I do not like punishment. It does not play well on me. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think that that was a pretty easy one. I think I'm the same. Yes, Susanna. Um, so you and I are usually opposite. So what is yours? We are. I, I'm exactly the same as you. Um, I yeah. Although again, I would hate it if someone was stood next to me, um, goading me for the things that I did. But you know, I just give them a slap across the face and be done with it. And we thought <laughs> so, I and we yeah. thought I was the mean one. See, she's just sneaky looking. <laughs> she's sneaky looking. 
Chab, it was Angelic awesome. Assassin. It was awesome to have you here. Thank you for coming on our show and taking the time to do that. And of course, thank you for sponsoring the show and giving Susanna and I this platform to um, talk about sales and all the things that we do. Very good. And as a sponsor, I want to remind your listeners that if you want to check out the courses that we have on SalesGrave University, we've added, I think, 12 additional on-demand courses just in the last few weeks. Um, you can go to learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com. And if you've never used this before, if you use the code free course, uh, you can get your very first course for free. So that's learn.salesgravy.com. I think you'll be amazed at what we offer there and, uh, and how we can help you upskill. Ooh, thank you for doing that for me, Jeb. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do it. Awesome. Perfect. All right. We are ending this show. We're out of here. For more information about Women Your Mother Warns You About, you can go to our website, which has been finally updated at womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com. Susanna looks great on the site. And again, for more information about Sales Gravy, go to salesgravy.com and you can find uh, Susanna and I there. You know where to find Jeb. You can find Jeb everywhere. Uh, That's it. We're out of here. Bye, Susanna. Bye, Jeb. Bye. Bye.